What's going on, everybody, and welcome in to another edition of B-Shafe Daily. Brendan Schaefer here with you. Early morning hours of Thursday, September 8th, 2022. That's an anniversary. Mark McGuire, 1998, hit number 62 on this date. So that was 24 years ago. Goodness gracious. I was a, let's see, four-year-old kid. I was actually at that game. My dad was at Schnooks a couple weeks prior and picked out the date that he thought the record would be broken, and he guessed right. And so we ended up at that game, and uh, four-year-old me got to witness history. Perhaps tomorrow, 28-year-old me will witness some more history as Adam Wainwright and Yadier Molina slated to make their 324th combined start, which will tie the all-time MLB record for most starts by a single battery. So that'll be coming up on Thursday afternoon at Bush Stadium. But on Wednesday night, the Cardinals got a big win over the Nationals and come from behind fashion. And in so doing, I think have walked away with this division. I think they've sealed it up, folks. It was about 4 o'clock. We were starting the big show on KTGR Wednesday afternoon, and I was checking the box scores and saw that the Brewers were down to the Rockies 7-1. to And the Cardinals came into the day already with an eight-and-a-half game lead over Milwaukee. And I decided then and there, the Brewers have just been absolutely dreadful lately. They have not been able to get anything going. Complete collapse by that team since around the trade deadline. And the Cardinals, as we know, have been going in a complete opposite direction. Milwaukee loses that game on Wednesday to the Rockies, as it looked like they would. It was 7-1, to one, I think, at the time. They end up losing 8-4. Mentioned last night that the Brewers blew their game on Tuesday against the Colorado Rockies out in Denver. They lost 10-7 in 10 innings, and turns out, I, I didn't bother to look it up last night during the show, but it was Randall Gritchick with a three-run walk-off shot in the bottom of the 10th inning that propelled the Rockies past the Brewers on Tuesday. So they are falling apart at the seams, are the Milwaukee Brewers, And the Cardinals are heading in the complete opposite direction, pulling wins out of their hat like it's nothing. They did it again on Wednesday. And I said coming into the night, listen, if the score holds, and this is audio you can find, uh, the KTGR Big Show podcast. It's on Spotify if you want to listen to that. We talk a lot of Mizzou. We talk a lot of Cardinals. Some Chiefs talk for sure coming around the bend now that it's NFL season. But I said on the show today, if the Cardinals win tonight and this Milwaukee score holds, I'm calling it right then and there. The Cardinals have come away with the NL Central. That's all I need to see. I said a couple of weeks ago, if the Cardinals have a nine-game lead at the end of August, that would be enough to convince me that it's over. Well, they didn't quite get there, but now you're more than a week into September, and the Cardinals have a a nine-and-a-half-game lead. So you've taken a, a week off the calendar and have added to the number that I said would have been satisfactory. I know the Cardinals and Brewers play four more times. It doesn't matter to me anymore. I do not see any way when you look at the vibes of these two teams right now, that the Brewers could possibly in a million years catch the Cardinals. And maybe this will be old takes exposed and will be really sad because Brendan jinxed the Cardinals. I just don't see any way. Look ahead, not behind you right now if you're the Cardinals. Look out east. We talked about it last night. The Mets, the Braves, those are the teams that you want to be trying to catch. Don't worry about who's behind you. Cardinals are still six games back, five and a half games back of the NL East leader as of this recording. But that's not insurmountable. Not the way the Cardinals are playing. 
right now, especially when you can come up with time and time again the late inning devil magic. So we'll talk about Wednesday's game, how the Cardinals offense came alive late after looking pretty lackluster throughout the game, I'll be honest. This wasn't a very aesthetically pleasing game for the Cardinals for the most part. Offensively, didn't get a lot going, but they got it going when it counted. Five runs in the ninth inning. We'll talk about how they got there. We'll talk about why they needed such a big performance in the ninth inning as well because the eighth did not go their way. An old friend causing some trouble for St. Louis tonight as Luke Voigt was back in town, and he hit a ball a long way. So we'll talk about the hiccups for the Cardinals' bullpen, but a really good start by Jordan Montgomery as we continue to train our eyes on what October could look like and what that rotation might look like if you get into the playoffs. Jordan Montgomery entered his latest chapter into uh, his reasoning for being part of that mixture when the Cardinals do get to a playoff series. He was very good on Wednesday. So all that more coming up on the show tonight. Before we get into the content, would like to remind you that you should subscribe to Be Shape Daily. That would be wonderful. And you can find the show on Spotify and Apple Podcasts for the iPhone users. Make sure you hit it up, subscribe, follow, like, and uh, leave us a review as well, if you'd be so kind. That'd be wonderful as well. And if you'd like to support the show, you can do so in a couple of ways. At vshafer12, find me on Twitter and find the money tab located on my profile page. You'll be linked to Venmo or Cash App. Another way to do so is to head to patreon.com slash vshafer12 and sign up for a monthly subscription if you'd like to go that route. Appreciate you who have done so already. We'll roll along a little bit more with the Patreon content to come. Haven't been able to uh, get hot and heavy on that in the last week and a half or so with the uh, the baby and everything. So we'll get it back rolling, though, and uh, there'll, there'll be some football content in the fall as well uh, once baseball wraps up. So appreciate you guys, as always, for joining me. Let's jump right into the content for tonight. As the Cardinals get the win over the Nationals 6-5, to five, it started out with the foundation laid by Jordan Montgomery, six and two-thirds innings from Mont. Gave up just one run. It was earned three hits, two walks, so not a whole lot of base runners to be had against Montgomery either in this game, and six strikeouts. So he's continued to look really good since joining the Cardinals. I mean, coming into today, he had the 1.57 ERA, pardon me, 1.47 ERA since joining the team, and he had only had one outing since joining the Cardinals in which he did not get the win and really just one outing in which he didn't pitch very well. August 27th against the Atlanta Braves gave up Five earned runs and eight hits in a pretty uncharacteristic performance. But then he brought it back last weekend against the Cubs and again kept the ball rolling tonight against the Nationals. Though he doesn't get rewarded for it in the win column, he is a big reason the Cardinals were able to do what they did because when the bullpen came in, it was a little bit of a rocky showing. Jojo Romero was charged with an earned run and Giovanni Gallegos you were hopeful that he would be able to get the Cardinals out of the mess there in the eighth inning, not allow things to continue from there. Unfortunately, he couldn't clean up the run, charged to Romero, and then, well, Luke Voigt happened. A two-run shot for Luke Voigt against Giovanni Gallegos, and that put the Nationals on top in this game in the eighth, and it put the Cardinals into a little bit of scramble mode. It was crazy to see at the time some of the reactions on social media there are people who thought, oh boy, this game's over. What a, a crummy series as well when you consider the Nationals are one of the worst teams in baseball and they're going to lose multiple games to these guys this week. Oh, that's just so brutal. 
The Nationals put up a four spot there in the eighth inning, make it five to one. Cardinals to that point, their only run had come from Paul Goldschmidt, who hit his 35th home run of the season. Good to see for the MVP, keeping his crown, if you will, keeping ahead of the pack in many of those categories. The OPS back up to 1033. I think it was 1028 last night when we ran down the numbers. And this home run gets him all the more closer to that triple crown possibility. He's still got to hold off Freddie Freeman for the batting average. He's still got to keep Pete Alonzo at bay on RBIs and try to surpass Kyle Schwarber. I think he's one back in the home run category, but he is right there in each of them. All it would take at this point is one of those weeks where Goldsmith just goes nuclear, and he's done it lots of times this year. So if he could do it one more time, I think that would put him in the driver's seat, the driver's seat for the Triple Crown, not just like, oh, he's got a chance. No, he would be like the the favorite in each of the categories at that point to to get the job done. So we'll see if he's able to catch fire again toward the end of the season. That would be a lot of fun to watch. It already has been a ton of fun to watch him this year. I cannot fathom, barring just an epic Brandon Moss-like one for 63 or whatever. You remember that September of, uh, gosh, I want to say 2016 for Brandon Moss because I think that was the first year I started covering the Cardinals toward the end of that season. Brandon Moss was the nicest dude, but he he really struggled <laughs> down the stretch for the Cardinals in that season. But that would be kind of what it would take to get Paul Goldschmidt out of the driver's seat for MVP consideration. He's just so far ahead offensively. I guess you could go with a pitcher, but I would be stunned at this point and and bitterly disappointed, honestly, because he's just been the leader in the clubhouse this entire season. Hopefully he's able to close this thing out and get the job done. But regardless, he's a contributing factor in the win for the Cardinals on Wednesday. Let's talk about that eighth inning, though, as things sort of went off the rails for the bullpen. And we'll get into how the Cardinals managed to bring it back. Jordan Montgomery, great tonight, as we mentioned, pitching to the seventh. He gives up the one run, and so it's 1-1 heading into the eighth. And things go off the rails a little bit. Jojo Romero, who's been really strong since joining the Cardinals. Remember, he came over in the Edmundo Sosa trade, which, by the way, Sosa made a, a tag on a stolen base attempt tonight that I don't think I've ever seen. He jumped over the runner as a shortstop cutting across the bag. He's with the Phillies now. And basically between his legs, as he's moving toward the right field line, the first base side of the infield, tags the runner as he's leaping over him. Man, he puts Javi Baez to shame with that one. I don't I don't think I've ever seen a tag like that. Check it out on Twitter if you get a chance to find that from Sosa. I guess that took place tonight. But uh, it was Jojo Romero that came over in the Sosa trade, left-handed reliever, who had been pretty good with the Cardinals uh, in, in the opportunities he's gotten. Was good enough to at least stick around for the time being when Genesis Cabrera struggled, right? He got sent to Memphis, and we see Romero getting this opportunity here. Tonight, he gives up a base runner and leaves that man aboard when he concedes the mound to Giovanni Gallegos, and Gallegos ends up not get the job done, not having his best night, ends up leaving the game after getting roughed up a little bit. Gio charged with, well, the home run to Luke Voigt didn't help, but he was charged for the night with three runs, all earned, three hits, recording a strikeout. That's the only out that he got there in the game. Had to go to Zach Thompson to get the Cardinals out of that inning. Not what you want to see from Gio Gallegos, but I will say this, 3.33 ERA on the season, For those who were 
immediately jumping all over his case and saying, oh, this has been Gio all year. He just hasn't been able to get outs and you can't trust him and on and on. There's a lot of angst going on uh, in that eighth inning. The sky was falling for Cardinals fans, which I get it. You don't want to lose a series to the Nationals. It wouldn't have necessarily been a series loss. Like I said, you got Wainwright going on Thursday. That's pretty good bet that you're going to be able to at least even up a series if you're trailing in it at that time. But don't want to lose multiple games to the Nationals. I understand that, obviously. They're a very bad team this year. But the game wasn't over, first and foremost. We'll talk about why that was in the ninth inning. But for Gio, it's one bad game and what had otherwise been a really good stretch for him. I know that you remember, you think you know from July like he was pretty bad. It's September now, though. Early July is when Gio had some of those struggles. It hasn't really been the case as much recently, though. Like over his last seven games, the ERA is 3.86 because he gave up three earned runs tonight. Over his last 15 games, only he's given up four earned runs in 15 innings, 15 and a third. So three of those happened tonight, which tells you that, you know, for the better part of the last month, he's been pretty good. This was a bad game. Relievers are going to have him, and he got beat by Luke Voigt, a moonshot by the former Cardinal and the current Washington National. That guy's been around the block, hasn't he? Ended up being part of the Juan Soto trade, of all things. After Eric Hosmer was like, no, I don't think so. I have a no-trade clause, and I do not want to go there. And so it ended up being Luke Voigt that went to D.C. to uh, complete that deal with the Nationals. Nevertheless... Not a great game for Gio. It's going to happen. I still trust him if I'm the Cardinals to get the job done most of the time as your setup man to closer Ryan Helsley. This day, it wasn't his day. But fortunately, it was the day for the Cardinals offense, at least when he got to the ninth inning. It wasn't the rest of their day because it had been an ugly game for the lineup and, and really an ugly series in large part for this lineup. He had a few big swings in Tuesday's win Nolan Gorman with a couple. Brendan Donovan had one. Otherwise, not a lot to write home about. Obviously, they were shut out in the Jack Flaherty start on Monday. And now Wednesday, you're entering that ninth inning down 5-1. to one. You've scored just one and it's been a solo shot by Goldie. So you're looking at three home runs in three days, a grand total of five team runs. Just an ugly series when you're facing the Washington Nationals and coming up with that kind of production. But, man, did they ever come out of it in the ninth inning. You get hits from Brendan Donovan, first of all, starting things off. And it was a gnarly way to get that hit. The shortstop took it off the face after ball 99 miles per hour off the bat of Donovan. Hit right off the lip of the grass. Took a really nasty hop. Maybe it wasn't a base hit if it doesn't take that hop because the shortstop seemed to have a beat on it until it changed direction. But you put the ball in play. You hit it hard. Good things do tend to happen. And that was the case for Brendan Donovan there leading off the ninth inning for the Cardinals. And more good things were to follow. Really impressive the way they were able to string at bats consecutively one after the next. Paul Goldschmidt worked a tough full count walk to get on base. And that's a guy that understands I could swing for the fences here. I can try and pad my stats, get my 36 home run, chase that triple crown, that MVP. Paul Goldschmidt's just trying to get on base because you've got to have a lot of guys that are going to do it in this inning if the Cardinals are going to climb that mountain. And so really tough A-B, which isn't technically an A-B. It's a plate appearance by Goldie because he walks. But gets the full count walk. Arenado, love to see him drive the ball the opposite way. 
Ground rule double down the right field line. Keeps the line moving. Dickerson couldn't get the ball out of the infield, but the, the run does score. Tyler O'Neill, a full count walk as well. Nolan Gorman strikes out, and he also had a tough play in the field. I don't know whether it went down as an error, but it was in that eighth inning that allowed the Nationals to take that lead. And the Cardinals, there were no errors on the night. So they ruled it a base hit. But Gorman at second base, moving to his left, just didn't catch the ball. I mean, he got the glove to it, but it's like he moved the glove past the ball as he was running. It was kind of a a tough play, not a routine play, but a play that does need to be made. It's a play not made. It's not an error, but it's a play not made. Cost the Cardinals in that spot. It allows Luke Voigt to come to the bat with a runner on base, hits the home run, et cetera, et cetera. It, it ends up being worse than it should have been for both Romero, who was charged with the run because of that miss by Gorman, and, of course, Gallegos, who then gave up the bomb to Luke Voigt. But I feel as though Gorman, for the most part, has been a solid defender, so I don't want to rip on him too hard for that. But that was a play that uh, probably should have been made. Like I said, not routine, but one that you would like to see completed in order to uh, have the advantage there as a, as a team that prides itself on defense. But it doesn't come through at the plate either in that situation in the ninth inning. Strikes out, but no matter. Tommy Edmond going the opposite way. The first pitch that he sees, I believe it was a fastball. He was looking fastball, just trying to stay on it. Didn't quite catch up to it, but caught up to it enough to hit it over the head of the left fielder. It was kind of shades of Nelson Cruz on the other side, though. I think the ball even maybe went off the tip of the glove of the outfielder call, and there you have it. Ben Luzio, whose name I don't think we've really said on this podcast, up with the team, stayed up with the team, despite what maybe some would consider to be uh, an unfair situation for Juan Yepes, who's still down with Memphis. He's got an OPS near 1,000 down there in AAA this season. I haven't seen him in St. Louis for a number of weeks. Even after he returned healthy, they optioned him to Memphis after he got back from injury. Ben Deluzio uh, can play some center field. I think it's the positional flexibility over what Yepes brings that allows Deluzio to stay. But it's also, you, you saw the evidence of it there in the ninth inning. He, he pinch runs and scores from first base on the double. And that's a situation where there's a screaming line drive the opposite way. The fact that he was able to score and score easily on that play was pretty impressive. He's got some good wheels. 28-year-old rookie. I don't mind that at all. Um, if, if he can run, I don't know what his base stealing prowess is. He's had some decent numbers down with Memphis this year, but you know, you see this time of season, this time of year, there can be an advantage to having a guy just off your bench to pinch run. It's a, in September, you have the expanded rosters. It's a weapon that you can use if you've if you've got it. And tonight, it, it panned out. Like, who else scores in that situation that would have been available off the bench to the Cardinals in that spot? I think it's really a, a good call to have him. And now that I'm going through some of the uh, the lifetime numbers, he's got 30 stolen bases this year with Memphis in 36 attempts. Lifetime, 140 steals in 181 attempts in the minor leagues. So not a super great percentage, but pretty good. 75% or better, it looks to be. Yeah, 77% lifetime, so that's not bad. But I like what he can do as a pinch runner. It might be worth keeping around. I don't know about playoff roster-wise, but guy has some good speed and showed it off in this one on Wednesday. And I bring up Endeluzio. Should probably touch on the roster move that the Cardinals made before the game on Wednesday. We didn't see the debut of Alec Burleson for the St. Louis Cardinals, but he is 
on the active roster now as Dylan Carlson went to the injured list with a thumb sprain. believe he might have had that happen defensively, perhaps, in Tuesday's game. I do not recall the play, but but somebody mentioned to me that he had an issue. So maybe not something he's been dealing with for a while. I hoped initially that that was the case, that, oh, yeah, maybe it's just been he's been dealing with this issue, and that's why he's been struggling offensively so much. Well, no, it might have been an, an injury that was sustained on Tuesday. But that'll put him out at least 10 days. We'll see the timeline, what that looks like. Cardinals trying to get him back. He's been a platoon player anyway, uh, but you do want him healthy. You do want to see him get back to full strength. He's certainly a, a plus option for you defensively in center field. And uh, against left-handed hitters, or pitchers, I should say, he's still pretty strong. Just against righties, that hasn't been the case. But the guy that they called up instead, Alec Burleson, which, again, is not Juan Yepes, who's obviously earned the opportunity to come back. And I saw a quote from Ali Marmel today that was basically saying, yeah, they wanted to work on these things. And it's like, yeah, you're pretty much doing everything you could want, though. Like, if you're OPSing 996, there's not a whole lot else to do with Memphis. But the reality is the roster is the size that it is, and you can't add more than the limit. So they want to get a look at Deluzio as, as far as a defensive player, pinch runner, maybe as an, a hitter as well. We'll see. But they also want to look at Alec Burleson because he's got 20 home runs, 87 RBIs this year in Memphis. He's got an OPS over 900. He's hitting 331. He's been an absolute stud offensively. And I think he maybe offers a little bit more positional upside defensively in the in the corner outfield than Juan Yepes does. So I, I'm cool with it. I think it's been the case for a while now that you wanted to see Burleson. I don't know exactly where he fits into the lineup because of the way Corey Dickerson is hitting against right-handed pitching. Burleson's a guy that is left-handed as well, but he does decently as far as the splits are concerned. So you could put him in there against lefties if you had to. Maybe that's Lars Newbar that's on notice a little bit. He was over again tonight, has been struggling. We talked about that a little bit on last night's show. So just something to keep in mind. I think they're going to give a little bit of run to Alec Burleson over the stretch run of the season, see what he's able to do. But that's a little bit of an update on the roster situation. Again, yeah, kind of surprising Juan Yepes isn't there yet, but if they want to get a look at Burleson, I can understand it. I think Yepes will make his return at some point. I still think he could have a future in this organization as well. Um, That hit tool is something that that definitely plays, and uh, Yepes has decent numbers at the big league level, even despite the fact that toward the end of his stint with the Cardinals before the injured list situation happened, uh, his numbers had trailed off, but still a 750 OPS. So y- you like what he brings to the table. I'm sure he'll get a chance to bring that to the table once again, just not quite yet. But the guys that we're bringing to the table tonight, you just got to give them a lot of credit. The Cardinals, once again, 6-5 winners over the Nationals, five runs in the ninth inning. Amazing ability just to come back on a dime that this team has had all year. And the stats were flowing in terms of how historic this one is, at least in terms of 2022, the Cardinals are the first team this season to win a game in which they trailed by four or more runs entering the bottom of the ninth inning. All MLB teams combined were 0 and 817 in such games this season prior to tonight. And if you look at the win probability chart, it's hysterical. Reminds you of the Pete Cosma game back in 2012, Cardinals-Nationals. Pretty cool, pretty fun stuff. It's the devil magic, man. It's back and in, in full force. And part of that is uh, Jordan Montgomery. I want to mention him. ERA of 1.45 since joining the Cardinals over the course of seven starts now. He's been absolute nails for this team. And they've won every single game that he's pitched, which is kind of amazing. He hasn't gotten the decision in all those games. He didn't get it tonight. As, of course, it took the extra inning, or not the extra inning, but the bottom of the ninth inning 
heroics to get the win in the first place. But Montgomery's been really, really good. And I think there's going to be a conversation moving forward, especially if Jack Flaherty can turn things around or, or kind of stay on the same track that he's been on. It's a good first start that they got from him on Monday. Want to see more of that from him. Want to see the continued health. But is that a conversation? Cardinals make a three-game wild card series. Wainwright, Michaelis, question mark. Who would you go for game three? Could it be Montgomery? Could it be Flaherty? Quintana, probably in that mixture as well, but I think he's a little bit behind the other two in terms of the performance that we've seen so far from Montgomery and the upside that we know exists there with Jack Flaherty. But interesting conversation and one that could end up being had. Ideally, I'm going to continue to repeat this. You play that three-game series at home, and this is assuming you don't catch the Mets or the Braves out east. You start Wainwright, you start Michaelis, you win both of those games, and then it doesn't really matter the order for the NLDS. You're going to go Jack Flaherty and Montgomery on the road, and then you're going to have Wainwright and Michaelis back at home. That's a, a recipe to get to the NLCS. If you can line it up that way, I think the Cardinals get to the NLCS at a minimum, and uh, we'll see what they're able to do from there. So, does start to feel like a team of destiny at a certain point, doesn't it? The Cardinals are getting the job done. Going to be a fun day at the ballpark on Thursday. I am actually going to try to get over there for some of the game. Adam Wainwright, Yadier Molina, 324th career start on tap to tie the all-time MLB record. And then next week against, I think, the Brewers, they should be on tap to break that record. So it should be a lot of fun. Cardinals are looking for the series win in the four-game series. Uh, a loss would mean a split. Two out of four, so we'll see if the Cardinals are able to stay on that track. And like I said, nine and a half games up. I'm looking ahead rather than behind. I don't think the Brewers have a chance anymore. I have called the division in favor of the Cardinals. And like that guy with the crazy uh, election night video board and my telestrator, I'm circling the states and telling you, it's over. I'm calling it for the Cardinals. They're going to win this division. Obviously, mathematically, that's not the case yet. But you're starting to talk, I would think, pretty significantly about magic numbers here before long. Nine and a half games ahead. The Brewers have utterly collapsed. I don't see any way they make it back from the depths to which they have drooped. Drooped? Stooped? It doesn't matter. I'm tired. I'm getting out of here. Appreciate you guys, as always, for listening. Excited to talk some Adam Wainwright, Yadier Molina. Wayno always shows up in the big moments, so I expect him to shove on Thursday. We'll see what he's able to do and talk about it Thursday night. B-shaped daily. You'll have it for Friday morning. Appreciate you guys, as always, for listening, and we'll talk to you next time on B-shaped daily. Peace.